when I initially started going through a lot, I was in the place where a lot of people are. God isn't good because he allows these things to happen. I think having gone through so much and seeing God pull me out every single time has given me this assurance that no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it is, how insane, God is still on the other side of it, and He's still working all things together for good. Today I sit down with Hunter and Lauren to discuss how do we know God is really good? How has God used tragedy and disappointment in their lives to reveal Himself further to them? The challenges and different perspectives of dating 2023, with Hunter being single in his early 20s, and Lauren being single in her early 30s, and so much more. Episode 46 with Hunter and Lauren begins now. What would either of you say is the biggest thing that you're working on your relationship with God right now in 2023? I've been in the process, and I feel like I'm still kind of doing it, which is really getting to know him as father and really shaking up what I used to think that that actually is. And like what my dad modeled for me and then the Lord really like refining because I think we all project onto the Lord what our experience is. And so he's been like refining that and like reaffirming like I am the good father, like I am constant, consistent. So that's been cool. I think for me also, it's that God is good and he is true to his word. For a long time, I really question that if we are going deep here um when i lost my mom i really questioned you know like why does he allow these things to happen and the bible says he's good but this this is not good this doesn't feel good and i don't see him the way that i'm told that he is but just having gone through difficult seasons of my life um Like when I really first got into going to The Belonging, um, it was summer 2017, and I had gone with a couple of my best friends. And I remember looking at the stage uh, at Cover the Earth conference and just seeing everyone up there and how joyful they were. And I remember thinking, you know, like, Lord, I want I want that joy, and I want to be a part of a church in that way, and to kind of serve you. I think I I had just come out of a very difficult season, and I was like, what does it look like to really serve the Lord, and but to really believe that He is good? And fast forward to this year, um, I've just been reflecting a lot on being in the place that I prayed to be in in 2017 and looking at that longingly like thinking man that's what I that's what I want but it feels so distant and now I serve with this incredible family of people and it's like dang no like God is really true to his word and he really does keep his promises so I think that's kind of the big picture. I think, Lauren, you kind of alluded to one of the things that I know has even been difficult for me in my life, which is being a part of the same community, the same church, you know, the same sermons, the same small groups of different people. And you're experiencing kind of the breakthrough that you're hoping for yourself, but it's through someone else. And you start to look inward and you say, it's very self-destructive and it's easy to do of what's wrong with me. Like, why are they experiencing the revelation? Why are they have more joy? Like, why is God answering their prayers and not mine? And it is truly such a, a difficult thing to walk through and something that, you know, you both have shared on this kind of journey or relationship with God that's been this very, very long process. So what could you share? Like, has it been easy? Has it been difficult? Like, what has been this kind of steadfast journey been like of trying to discover, God, are you good? God, you said you're going to look out for me and 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 when I pray, you're going to answer So what has that journey been like? I think before my relationship with the Lord really started to mature more, these things would happen, and I would go into these cycles of like, 
oh no, all this is happening. Like, is God with me in this? Why, why are these people not walking through this? And just like the question of why am I experiencing, why do I have to go through this? And so I think just through a lot of long suffering, you kind of start to learn when it's happened so many times, you're like, he didn't leave me this time. He's not going to leave me the next time. And I used to think like with almost with a victim mentality, like why, you know, why me? All of this is happening for these people and I'm going through this, but I feel like I've had to reframe it over the years. And the Lord has renewed my mind. Long suffering is a fruit of the spirit. And if Jesus had to endure all of this. Like, who am I to say that I won't be going through trials? And so now, as tough as it is, especially in modern day with social media and all that jazz, like, I have to kind of put my blinders on and be like, this is my race to run with endurance. It's not always easy, but I just have to go back to those moments where I'm like, he came through this time and the time before and the time before. He's not going to leave me or forsake me. I think there's a reason why, like, the word so heavily emphasizes, like, reminders and testimony and remembering your testimony with the Lord and, like, having battled, like, cycles of shame and falling into to falling into sin patterns and whatever. You get so wrapped up in it and then you're like, well, surely he's gone now. Like, we were at this such good point and now I'm here and surely he can't you know whatever but that's like the enemy's biggest trick is to just like try to convince you that yeah that that's the one like that's the one time now you're you know now you're cooked where in reality it's like no we so easily forget like it's all on the cross like it's all under the blood i don't know for me just going back to those like moments where i remember like him saying so specifically like just such like defining things like reminding myself like oh before I was my parents I was yours and that's how I'm defined like moments where he's had to literally change the definition of before you were theirs you were mine first that like completely like changed my whole view of my parents and and so I think those moments of like reminding myself like in the journey of him becoming more my father getting comfortable with being like not just like, hey, God, like being like, hey, dad, like, actually, I really need you as the father right now. I really need to trust you as provider right now. Or I really need to trust you that I really need to know that I can trust you. And just reminding myself of those moments where he's like, no, you're mine. I know I'm extremely impacted by that revelation that you shared, Hunter. And I really appreciate you taking the time to share that because I think all of us, or at least I know myself included, is really working through how do I get through my past both you know through family hurt or things past relationships past friendships past disappointments these things that feel like that they have this more long-term baggage with them and especially things that I have you know I really am disappointed in myself of how I've treated other people or things in my past and and wanting to get over and, and renew my identity in Christ but really struggling with just the human weightedness of okay you've done x amount of bad now you need to do x amount of good and and learning to put that down but i really love that revelation that you shared of thinking through like okay god you've made me before i was even in my mother's womb like you had a plan for all this all along and and how can i learn to work through with uh, you know stepping into that new identity with holy spirit that transcends and, and goes over you know in your case you're sharing your own you know identity or relationship with your parents so that's really interesting and and for those listening i have uh cleared this with lauren to ask her prior to putting her on the spot here so uh lauren tell me about for you this mustering true of just the struggles or challenges of learning to step into a new identity and learning to let go of your past hurt or pain and i just wonder if you could share i, I know you've been through an extremely difficult season that you've alluded to a little bit in this podcast and you're someone I, I so really look up to of who is such a strong woman and and continually you know just lifts other people up despite of your own challenging trials and seasons and so 
if you could share, what was that like having to go through a painful divorce and now being on the other side of that and having hopes and dreams and wishes of, you know, being remarried again or just learning to stand up on your own two feet again after an extremely difficult season? I want to start off by saying I entered into a marriage that was not God's will because I did not believe that he was good. And it goes back to our first question. Um, I was in a place where I had just lost my mom and we started dating six months after. And to me, because I didn't truly understand like what God's will was and like who he said I was, I was just like, oh, this is, this is a good thing. Like this person makes me happy. And if I'm being transparent, the Lord told me to end that relationship multiple times. And I questioned him, you know, I questioned his validity. I questioned whether I was really hearing him, if he was good. And so I kind of like, I stiff armed God for a very long time um, because I just wasn't able to process my pain. And I was like, I'm not in pain. I'm dating this person and I'm happy. And, you know, three years pass by and we get married. And, um, you know, if I had really known my identity in God, I would have known that like who I was did not match up with who he says I was. My perspective of myself did not align with what the Bible says about me. And so I carried a lot of insecurity and shame. And unfortunately, when that is the case, you tend to attract people that can kind of prey on that. And I think that kind of got me in this rut where, you know, you're with someone who projects that onto you as a means of power, unfortunately. And now the word everyone uses, we know now is narcissism, but back then it wasn't this trendy term and I didn't know anything about it. And so um, I was with this person believing like the best for them and that they were, you know, like we were, we were going to church and I was doing my duty as a Christian, but I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. It was religion. And I, we, would, we would go to church here and there and we'd mark it off the list. And it's like, okay, God, I did what I was supposed to. And then I would just stiff arm him. And so it wasn't until things got really bad and even then I didn't, I wasn't quite a, awake to it, but it, it took something as serious as an affair to wake me up to things and be like, this is not normal. Someone speaking to you this way is not normal. Um, I didn't know anything about gaslighting, but I had been gaslit for six and a half years. We were married three years. And so over the course of six and a half years, I had been gaslit essentially into this shell of a person. And I was so far removed from God's, um, what God says about us. Like I, I just walked around with this immense weight of shame and I was in such a dark period in my life when everything finally like culminated um and I found out that he was having an affair and it was like oh I really need to evaluate what this looks like and you know I tried to you know because I grew up Southern Baptist and you know it's very like strong you don't get a divorce and I although I do not agree with divorce you know like it is necessary in some cases especially in the point of an affair and abuse. And so I had kind of, uh, you know, like tried to work things out in the marriage and he really just wasn't having it. And you have to have two people to make a marriage work. And um, one night he was out and not did not come home, did not come home that night. And 
I was like very worried. I was concerned that something had happened. And so I was praying on my couch. I was like, I finally reached back out to God after stiff arming him for so long and just kind of doing my due diligence of attending church. And it was like, God, I'm in a really difficult, dark place and I need to hear from you right now. I need your guidance. And so strongly he came into that apartment and it was just like his peace flooded me. And I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and my husband still wasn't home, but I just had like the most unreal amount of peace. Like I had not felt that amount of peace probably since I had become a Christian when I was become quote in quote a Christian or accepted Jesus when I was nine. And I like walked in my living room and I sat down beside my dog and I just had this like knowing that he was in the room with me and I heard him say so clearly, get out. And I, it was almost like someone was in the room with me and I was like, um, I just kind of like looked around and I got up and like walked into my kitchen because I was kind of in disbelief of what I had heard. And as soon as I got up, my husband came in um, and he said, I want to work things out. And I had so clearly heard the Lord seconds before he opened that door. And I knew this was not okay. And there was a very like uneasy, unsafe feeling. And I really I knew something was going on spiritually um, that I, that Lord was trying to separate me from that. And um, so even though he said he wanted to work things out, I was like, okay, you know, like we're going to have to get into church, whatever. But in the back of my head, I was like, God just told me to get out. And so I started like packing my stuff and uh, he was kind of like trying to reason with me and, I knew that no matter what he said, I was not supposed to go back on that. And so I ended up calling my dad um, right after that and being like, look, this is what's going on. And I need to come live with you for a little bit. I need to get back on my feet. And my dad was awesome. Like he came and helped me load, loaded everything up. And so Um, I went back to his house, and as soon as I got back under his house, it was like the peace of God was there. Like It was like escaping something insane. I I don't know how to explain it other than like it was like I had come out from under my husband at the time's authority, and I was back with my earthly father, but it was almost like a reflection of being with my heavenly father. And as soon as I got back there, it was like, I had been blind. It was like I, the veil had been like lifted. I had been blind for years. And that's when I really started to unpack, you know, like this is what I believed all of these years, but now I'm seeing like God literally rescued me from something so dark. And, um, working through that divorce it was like okay who does God really say that I am because I've been stiff arming him for a long time and I have been ignoring his word and so um during the time that was summer 2017 and I um had two of my best friends they were going to the belonging at the time and I had been to the belonging once but they essentially like knew what I was going through. And um, one of my friends, Whitney, she had actually, she was one of the people that the Lord used to tell me I was not supposed to be in relationship with this guy. And I kind of ignored her. But despite me ignoring her, she was there the second everything went wrong. And she was like, okay, are you ready to come back to church with me? And so Um, that's how I got started going to the belonging and 
they invited me to conference and I went shortly after that. And that's when I just like full surrender, like knew I needed Jesus more than anything else in my life. And since then it has been a like continuous, like renewal of my mind to understand who I was after just becoming this like shell of a person, losing all of my like personal interests, just, I don't know. I feel like now I'm even, even prior to the marriage and all of that, like I understand more now who I am because I've been buried in scripture. I've been serving, I've been trying to fill up with the word and I don't know. It's, you know, sometimes my brain kind of tries to revert back to the like old ways of thinking. And then I'm like, nope, we don't, we don't think like that anymore. But yeah, it's just, it's a journey. Thank you so much for just being vulnerable and raw to share all of that. I, I know it's going to impact somebody that's listening today. And Emily and I are just so continually proud to call you our friend and just what a blessing you are uh, for all the things that you've had to overcome in your life and continue to do so and still have a smile on your face and champion other people and have optimism for what the future holds for you. And uh, I know I don't want to speak for Hunter either, but we are just so honored to to call you our friend and to be a part of your life. But I know something that you touched on that I just wanted to call out that was interesting as it leads to kind of my next question for both of you is, you know, one of the challenges of just going through kind of the peaks and valleys of life of there definitely are moments where I've felt extremely vulnerable and I've let my guard down to a friend, a dating relationship, a whatever the thing is that, you know, had it been a good day, a good time or a good season of my life, I would have absolutely known that this was wrong for me or this was detrimental to, um, you know, who I am as a person or what I value. But instead, I'm so looking for an out or a place to go in times of chaos that I'm kind of like, I'll just take whatever it is because, you know, and I'll figure it out later. And that's such a dangerous, vulnerable place to be. But my question for you both is, do you feel like because of trials, tribulations, difficult seasons, heartbreak, disappointment, um, you know, true actual tragedy that happens in our lives that we are able to experience God, I don't want to say in a better way, but in some ways it actually is in a more unique, powerful, profound, more revealing way of truly experiencing His nature through just the peace and understanding and his goodness that sometimes we honestly don't see in the moment, but sometimes it takes months, years, decades later to see that. So do you, do you think that, again, I don't want to ask you loaded questions, but in your own experiences, have you seen God differently in a more profound way because of the tragedies you've gone through in your life? I mean, I do think there is like a unique aspect of Jesus that is only through suffering. I think that it reveals like his character and it's relatable. Like all of us go through it. And I feel like he, you know, suffered more than any other person on the planet. I think no matter, you know, I think comparison kills it. Like, I think that as soon as you start comparing your woes to someone else, like you kind of lose your value of it. Like, or like, what is it that the Lord is really showing you in it or through it? Or what is he revealing about himself in this situation? Like, okay. Like if it's finances, like, okay, well, if I'm struggling financially, how is he going to show himself as provider? Or if it's, you know, relationally, okay, well, how is he going to show himself up as, you know, the, the groom or how is he going to show himself up as father, whatever it is. But I think there's always like an invitation to bring him into those moments. Cause he totally empathizes. Like he gets it. Like he was a person and I feel like he's totally God, hundred percent God, hundred percent man. So he understands like he's not far from suffering. And so that's always helped me like, whenever I feel his presence or whenever I'm having a bad day or going through something or whatever, feeling his presence and just being like, you're here, like you're close. That's always something that really like helps me is him being like, Hey, I understand like what you're going through. I'm right here. And even like I said, like inviting him in, like into my relationship with my parents and, and allowing him to speak into those and being like, Hey, so like the best way for you to be able to minister to your parents is just to love them and like love them hard and love them well. So I'm going to do that. One of my favorite things on the planet is to like champion other people and to just like cheerlead them on. But 
I think that has to come from a place of authenticity. And, you know, uh, when I initially started going through a lot, I was in the place where a lot of people are. God isn't good because he allows these things to happen, X, Y, Z. And I think having gone through so much and seeing God pull me out every single time has given me this assurance that no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it is, how insane, like God is still on the other side of it and he's still working all things together for good. So in that, if you see other people, like I don't believe that God allows suffering for no reason. And so it's almost like if you go through that, you have a superpower. Like that is your ability to like say, I've been through this. I have authority over this. And you can turn around and hold your hand out to someone else who is going through something similar and champion them. And so having gone through that, I can, you know, confidently say like, no, God is good and he is with you and you are going to see the other side of this. And I don't know, sometimes that, (laughs) I don't know if that answered your question, but it, it just seems like more of a superpower now. And, you know, it doesn't mean that things don't absolutely suck sometimes because like, we're human and we have emotion and the Lord doesn't like tell us, you know, don't, don't get upset about these things like Jesus wept. So you can process that, but take it to him and don't shut him out of it. All right. So if you're listening to this, this is going to sound like a really hard right turn, but I can't remember Hunter or Lauren, which one of you brought this up earlier, but I just haven't gotten to a point where I've kind of wanted to hit time out on the questions because I've just both so appreciated the wisdom and just vulnerability that you've both have shared in your answers so far. And so I want to take the time to ask you what probably feels like a loaded question, but we'll kind of unpack that. And I have a kind of like a follow-up question, but what has been the impact Hunter for you in your early twenties, Lauren for you in your early thirties of social media on your lives. I feel like all of us are constantly on our phones, uh, getting updates about friends, family members, past friends, colleagues, this, that, and the other. So what role does social media play in your life right now? Do you feel like it's a really good thing? Do you feel like it's a bad thing? Again, not trying to ask you a loaded question, but what would you share about that? It's changed a lot, obviously. I know everyone in here definitely knows like social media isn't like not the same thing it was, I think, when it started. But now as someone who's like grown up with that being like a very consistent part of life it's kind of like a love-hate relationship pros my reels are all like very artistic very like beautiful like videographer like heaven i'm like i'm getting so much like my creative bug fed right now but at the same time i'm getting so much of it fed that i'm like bro i'm not doing any like i'm vicariously living through all these other creators by not creating myself Um, and so I think for me, it's been a challenge to kind of like discipline, um, myself because it's been such a part of like regular life. I think, like I said earlier, like comparison is like such a, such a bad component of social media. It's something like I've totally struggled with. Like, I think there's so much good that can come out of it in connectivity and community and, and reaching a a people groups that you wouldn't be able to, and, and, and people that actually have good things to say the dichotomy of social media is a real thing. Social media for me is like a blessing and a curse. I don't know. I remember when MySpace came out, I love sharing music with people. And so I want to scream it from the rooftops. I'll change my MySpace song like every day and maybe people will notice. (laughs) But then you also had like the other side of things where you have like your top eight. And it was this weird, like, I feel like that was the origin of comparison. And I don't know. It just snowballed from there. And so now on social media, I don't post a ton, but I will put like quick things out like stories because I'm like, this isn't going to ring into the halls of eternity, but I can still share the things that I'm passionate about. I'm still basically just sharing music, but I enjoy having those little like, hey, this is cool blurbs out into the world. Maybe someone else will think it's cool too. And then just kind of like retracting. 
Um, I think the thing with social media is that we're more connected than ever, but we're also more isolated and everyone's in their silos and looking to see what everyone else is doing. And while it's cool that we can interact with people we would never typically interact with, I think it has bled into our social lives and the way that we interact with people in the real world. And the reality is like we were meant to be in community as humans. And sometimes I think we believe we're in community because we're on social media, but really we're not having that like interaction and fellowship. And so there's this like emptiness to it. I don't know. I don't love it. I don't love the effects of it on our mind and this endless like dopamine feed. It's not healthy and Overall, it's causing a lot of depression and mental health issues. And I think we've only just begun. So I have a really fun question for you both. There's really no right or wrong answer per se. It's truly what would it take for you personally for the next 365 days to delete all of your social media and stay off of it for 365 days? Is it money? Is it, you know, finding an actual new friend in real life? Like, what would it actually take for you to delete social media for 365 days? I, you know, if someone offered me a million dollars to stay off of it for a year, I wouldn't turn that down. Um, but I think my biggest thing with social media is that I love sharing things that I'm passionate about. And so I, this is going to sound wild, but I would really love to live in a tight-knit community of my friends. I like on a piece of land somewhere, like trading healthy food and just like having animals and all that. And it sounds like, you know, kind of crazy, but like we used to live in tribes and we're built that way. And so if I had this community, like we just could go out and talk to each other and I could be like, yo, I listened to the most dope song today and like play it for people. I would delete it in a heartbeat, but it's more that I just like am passionate about things that I want to share with other people that I love. And so I can do that on a mass scale. I think it would just take, I don't think like, I mean, of course I would, like, as like she said, I would take a million dollars. Like, of course, like no doubt, but honestly it would just be like the decision, like making, just like choosing being like, yeah, okay. I really just, I don't need this anymore. Like I'll genuinely, like, I don't know. I don't have that. Like, sure. I like sharing my life with people, but also he just said strong will. All he needs is strong. That's, will. No. <laughs> I've, you both have watched me redownload it. I don't think it's uh, as strong as you're professing with socials. I don't know. This is a topic that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about and largely because I, every Sunday night I get my screen time report from my iPhone and it says, Hey, this is how many hours, you know, five hours a day you've spent on your phone and here's where you spent it at. And I look at how it breaks down and it's, you know, largely 85, 90% on social media apps. And so I just started really having this like weird epiphany of like, what if I'm not actually meant to connect with this many people? And it's a weird dichotomy place to be in because this year I've really, really been trying to focus on building community and trying to learn what does that actually mean, especially for the long term as I've gotten older and we're like very, Emily and I are very committed to Nashville of like, how can I start to build community? And I haven't really been a good job of doing that earlier on in my life. And just really thinking about like, you know, for me, for personally, for me, it's I would really love to find three, four or five you know, men in my life that I can really, really connect with. And so I've really started to think about like, are we really meant to keep up with hundreds of people, 50 people, 200 people, even though, and again, nothing bad by that, not saying people aren't important, but even mentally, do I have the capacity to keep up with all these life updates? And so it's just something I've been thinking a lot about. And so I was just kind of asking you guys live in the moment to see your thoughts, because I'm with you in the sense that like, when I think about why do I have social media, and it's kind of this a little bit of FOMO, but it's also like, well, I want to keep up with people. I want to share funny things with people in my life that I care about. But then also I'm hit with this reality of, okay, well, I have the phone numbers of all the most meaningful people in my life or their addresses to send them something. So what would it take for me to get off of 
social media and rather than spending this five hours per day just scrolling like what if i just spent an hour per day like actually driving and sitting with a friend or facetiming or calling or sending them something meaningful in their life and then on top of that i now have four hours back of my day as well and so it's just something i've been thinking about and i'll probably really continue to spend a lot of time thinking about this year because again i just really question that are we not all being deceived by putting kind of all of our eggs in the basket that social media is how we connect or if we were on social media like people would miss us or we couldn't share with our friends and family even though uh at least lauren and i hundred you were still still alive but we've grew up in an era and we're kind of in teenage years without social media and it, we still had friends so it's definitely possible so i, I just think there's some trickery that we're falling into the traps of the social media platforms and designers, which is how it was meant to be designed to keep people on it and keep addicted. And just realistically taking a step back of like, we really can build real community off the freaking phones. Because I went through a season of my life last year where I really, really needed community and really realized I had gone all in on kind of the social media uh, in air quotes community. And then when it really came down to it, I didn't really know who I could turn to and it was really kind of a frightening feeling. And so this kind of like daily scroll and swipe in and story of like, let me see what my friends and air quotes are doing aren't really my friends. So I don't know, just, just the thought for the day, something to think about. But last thing I want to talk to you about is dating. You're both single, uh, you know, a decade apart, male versus female. I want to get both of your perspectives. What is it like dating in 2023? I've always wanted, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to skip from, I think I was in, like, sixth grade when I first had this thought. I was like, if I could just skip to when I was 40 and just had a family and a house and a wife, I would be so happy. No, literally, that was, like, I was in sixth grade, and I was like, this sucks. Everyone's <laughs> awful. I wish I was 40 and a family and kids and a wife, and that would be clutch. Like, that would be awesome. That was literally where my head is at. It's still there. And the Lord's been really sweet to be, like teaching me how to do that, how to do that well. Um, and then also how to like prioritize him first, despite feeling like, Lord, I love you and you are a person, but you're also not like my person, but you are, but you're not. No dating is, I don't know. I'm not like a huge fan. I'm very much so like if I feel and trust like their character and their relationship with the Lord and I'm like, because that's my number one priority is like, does your social media know the Lord or do you know the Lord? Like, is it like, is it your profile that loves Jesus or like, do you love Jesus? Like, give me, give me, you know, where have you been reading in your Bible? But just finding like someone that like, you know, three years of like chemistry and like general beliefs and obviously like physical attraction. And it's not something I'm like actively, I'm not like on the prowl, like looking for, you know, my lady but i'm definitely like if i keep my eyes open and i'm like oh she seems cool like i would totally like pursue that so i have a follow-up question here real quickly and then we'll get to lauren's answer because you brought it up hunter of kind of talking about how if you saw someone that you would be interested in getting to know you would absolutely go up to this person or initiate uh, conversation or I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm very curious as it relates to we've been talking a lot about faith on this episode of something that I remember was like a really big pain point when I was single of where am I ever going to meet someone like I have these set of values, Christian values, principles that I'm really looking to live out and certainly value in a serious dating relationship that I hope leads to marriage. Uh, I don't think uh, I'm going to meet this person at 2.30 a.m. as Jason Aldean's is closing on Broadway. Uh, not to say that bad people go there, there's anything wrong with that, but uh, statistically speaking, that's probably not the best place. We've talked about the dangers of social media and how everyone's portraying themselves a certain way. And so if you talk to someone that was older, you're mentored by someone that's older, they'd say, well, just go to church and you'll meet someone. And I always really struggled with that suggestion because if i was a girl i would absolutely so be creeped out by some guy that just walks up to me out of the blue out of nowhere and says hey like i saw you during service and you look really pretty or you know i i the way you were reading your bible or, or whatever the compliment is that starts the conversation and then you ask for their phone number i would be so creeped out by that so as a male like hunter like do you like 
feel like meeting someone at church is realistic? Like, have you in the past overall, just what's your strategy and how do you think about, you know, meeting other single women that have the same set of values or goals or whatever it is that you're looking for, for that future spouse in 2023? I think the best way to go about dating at all is to like really actually ask the Lord and ask his opinion on like, Hey Lord, I'm thinking about this person. Like, what is it you say? And like genuinely trusting his voice. Cause I was on a missions trip back in 2019 and I was like, so, and I was surrounded by all these couples at this park and it was like so beautiful, beautiful day. Like everyone was out, like, you know, and it was, I was like, dang Lord, like I actually really want like this, like, like, you know, this is like a real desire of my heart. And I want like the genuine thing. And he literally just told me to wait. And like, it was literally one word and he was just like, wait. So then three years later, I entered into like the first serious relationship I've ever had. And it was totally with, with like the peace of the Lord on it. And like, was like, cool. Like this is the first time I've met someone who like actually loves the Lord, who goes to church, um, who is not only speaking into my character, but is also willing to be not improved, but like they communicate and they, there is an exchange of like communication of healthy communication. And that was like totally new environment of like, oh wow, this isn't high school. Like I'm actually dating someone for real. Like this is really cool. And in the same way that I felt the peace going into it, I also felt the peace leaving that relationship and feeling the Lord being like, hey, I'm actually calling you out of this. You are transitioning into a new season. And me kind of wrestling with him being like, why would you call me into this? Like you knew that I wanted, that I wanted to be one and done. I gave my life to you, like you're my Lord. I wanted a one and done relationship. And now you're confirming it eight ways from Sunday. And I'm like, why was I in it in the first place? And it's helped me learn so much about like how to discern, not just people. When it comes to church, it's super awkward. Like. I'm not going to walk up to you in the lobby. Do I think that the guy is the one who's supposed to initiate? Absolutely. Like very traditional in my beliefs of like the man is the provider. Like, and in terms of dating, like if a girl comes and asks me out, like totally be caught off on the back foot, but also like, I think it's flattering, but I do think it's the guy's job to initiate. And I think in the church context, I don't know, it's, it's hard because there is no like real place to like do that. Like co-group, community groups in general aren't the place for you to like try to find your woman. Like you're not like, yeah, I'm coming to co-group so I can find a wife. Like probably not the best intent. Like you genuinely do go for community and like there really isn't a space other than that to really build those relationships except through like serving whenever you're scheduled. Maybe a girl that you're interested is there. Maybe she's not scheduled. And then you're like, Oh, how do I go about this? Like, um, to really get a read on people. Switching over to you, Lauren, what has been your dating experience in 2023? Non-existent. Um, <laughs> uh, to be real, I, after my marriage, was like, Lord, I do not want to do anything apart from you ever again. Like, I am on high alert right now. <laughs> I need you to show me if I'm supposed to go on a date with someone you know even if that's just to show me things like even if it doesn't lead to a relationship like I like very clearly need you to tell me but also I do not want to enter into a relationship with someone that I have not been friends with first like I want a genuine friendship where I know that person's character and I know that they're not pretending to be something. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the time with social media, we can kind of put on this facade for like, this is who I am and, you know, all that. But I want to see the fruit, really. And that's been my prayer since then. And I was like, Lord, like, I do... Like, I don't know, maybe this is a bold prayer. I don't know if this was right, but I was like, I do not want to enter into a relationship with a person until it is my spouse. And some people might disagree with that, but I, I'm 32. Like, I'm not, I'm not playing. And so, you know, like, let us be friends first. So I know their character, but I am not going to 
date them until I know that. And I'm not going to date someone if you do not tell me to. And the Lord has kept his word. I have not been in a relationship since my marriage. I've gone on dates and I feel like the Lord has shown me things through that. But I don't know. I think I had I had talked with y'all about it, uh, Eric and Emily, about the pressure that women tend to feel in their 30s. Like, oh, I'm in my 30s. I gotta, I gotta get married immediately and have kids. And I feel like that's so ingrained in our society that it kind of makes us want to rush things along because we have to make these certain deadlines that don't actually exist. And in my head for a hot minute, I was doing that. I was like, oh man, like I see all of my friends married with kids now and here I am single, chilling, haven't had a boyfriend in years. And it was kind of like disheartening. And then I was talking to my dad and my stepmom um, like a couple Christmases ago and I remember kind of telling them that because my stepmom kind of asked sometimes, she's like, are you dating anybody? And I'm like, no. And I kind of had put this invisible pressure on myself. Like my dad doesn't have grandkids and da da da. You know, you see in TV and the movies. And immediately after I said that, they were like, oh, good for you. Take your time. And I was like, what? I'm like 30. Like, what do you mean? And they shrugged it off so hard. They were like, Nah, my stepmom's a nurse. She was like, women have babies at 45 all the time. I know they like give you this, <laughs> this like rush to have them by 35. But, you know, it's, it's better that you're in a healthy place for that family, for that significant other, for those kids. And so I was like, you know what? She's right. And it just kind of like lifted this invisible pressure that we put on ourselves. And so... All that to say, like, I have just kind of been waiting until the Lord brings the right person. And, like, I've been asked on dates by guys within the church in a very respectful manner. And some of them so kind that I want to say yes, but the Lord is like, no, that's, that's not your person. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to waste their time. I'm just going to be straightforward with it. And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know a lot about dating in 2023. <laughs> so same follow-up question to you. I know we would all probably raise our hands and say, yes, we would love to meet our future spouse at the same church we go to because it would just make things so much easier. But do you feel there's a lot of challenges around meeting someone at church? Have you tried the dating apps? Um, it sounds like based on your answer, not to put words in your mouth, but you really value friendship or getting to see the fruits of who they are. So uh, newsflash to any of the guys listening to this and wanting to get your number, probably shouldn't walk up to you out of the blue and ask for it. Again, don't want to put words in your mouth, but how are you thinking about dating and the church and where you're hoping to meet someone or just all the complexities of that? I, out of curiosity, tried the dating app thing for maybe a month. Um whenever I moved back to Nashville after getting back on my feet and stuff, I was like, oh, you know, like, we'll, we'll see what dating is like. But then I quickly was like, nah, <laughs> we're good. Like, I, I went on a couple dates, but it was just like, I knew at that point, like, I want someone who is absolutely in love with the Lord, like, chasing them first and foremost and I couldn't really see that through an app like I need to see the fruit in person and so I just deleted it and I haven't been back on since but I mean I it would be cool if we met in church because I know that that person is devoted to um you know like the, the like the local church and you know uh I don't know. It, that kind of is like fruit in itself, but I don't know. I'm still, if someone walked up to me and I didn't know them and they asked me on a date, I'd be like, okay, let's get to know each other a little bit first, you know, like before I just, I don't know. 
I gotta say the fruit. It's the fruit for me. Last question for the whole episode. Thank you both for coming on. Super excited to have you. Only the second time ever we've had the dual guest episode. So appreciate you uh, leaning into this together with me. But last question, always the same last question. Every single person gets it. No more zero days podcast. Again, a zero day is where you're getting nothing done towards whatever your goal is, whether it's getting in a relationship, whether it's getting to know God, whether it's running a marathon, starting a business, a zero days where you're getting nothing done towards that because of you're so discouraged or whatever it is you're walking through that's preventing you from doing that. So what advice, and I leave it open-ended that you guys can pick who you want to address, a hypothetical person that's struggling with whatever, what advice would you give them for moving out of a zero-day mentality and getting nothing done towards their dream or goal? Celebrate small wins. I think that's a, a big one. Progress, sometimes progress isn't progress, sometimes progress is rest. I think that's something that I'm learning right now. And just because you don't feel like you're making progress it doesn't mean that you're not one thing that i've felt the lord has had to remind me is like hey even if i'm not working i'm still working even if you can't see it i'm still doing things and if you can't see them on the outside they might be on the inside you know remember that and yeah celebrate small ones celebrate um gratitude like i think gratitude is such a has been such a a huge and my worst days when I've decided to make the switch to be like, Hey Lord, I'm actually thankful for the weather today. I'm thankful that I've gas in my car. I'm thankful that I have a place to sleep. I'm thankful that I have a job. I'm thankful that I have shoes on. I'm thankful that I have food. I'm thankful that I live in the great music city. Even if it feels like a zero day, it feels like I'm not making any progress or I've been sitting on the couch for far too long progress sometimes doesn't look like progress sometimes like I said rest is progress for me personally I have a tendency to get feel this like stuck feeling or this freeze response when I have put entirely too much pressure on myself and I when I really remove myself from the situation and like from an outsider perspective I realize I'm putting way too much like pressure on this I it's not the end of the world and so I think the important thing is to understand that there's grace and there's mercy and God is not like beating you with a stick if you like mess up like just take a second take a breather and just think like okay this is what I'm grateful for like he like Hunter said like gratitude like okay, I've got this and this and this. And then really just to seek the Lord. like, And sometimes it's something simple. Sometimes he could be like, rest, just like chill out. Stop putting so much pressure on this. But um, yeah, above everything, if you're feeling stuck or like you're not making progress, like seek the Lord because he wants to talk with you, but sometimes he just waits until you give him an opening.